Amen, amen, amen. You may have a seat. He is risen. I get so excited about that. We're going to do that all day long. Heard a story yesterday. I was listening to Alistair. You can turn that way down, Fran, because boy, when David was screaming, it was bad. But when I'm whispering, it's bad. If you were here Good Friday, you know what I'm talking about. We, it was loud in here. I was watching Alistair Begg preach an Easter sermon yesterday. Alistair Begg's a Scottish preacher, and so I love his accent. I can listen to him all day long. But he told the cool story. A friend of his had been radically saved. Life totally changed. And uh, Easter came, and Alistair was explaining to this. He's also from Scotland. He was explaining to his friend from Scotland. Now listen, on Easter, we do weird things as Christians. We have little code things. So somebody's going to probably walk up to you and say, he is risen. And you're supposed to say, he is risen indeed. And he said, I got it, I got it, I got it. And he was with his friend. He walked in the church. Somebody came up to the friend and he said, he is risen. And he said, did no doubt about it. No doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. He is risen. So say it with me. You can do your normal one. He is risen. No doubt about it. We're excited that you're with us today for this special day. We get excited. We get up for this. And we're, we've been in a series for the last four or five weeks called Jesus Is. Today we're talking about Jesus is the Savior who stands. If you weren't here for the whole series, we went through the postures of Christ, the different positions that Jesus took. And so we, we talked about Jesus is the Son who sleeps. We don't have Easter without the crucifixion. We don't have the crucifixion without the birth. And so we talked about Jesus came as a baby. And he didn't come as a baby and, and get up and start running the world. No, he, he laid down and he slept. He came in swaddling clothes. And wouldn't you know it, those clothes had to be changed all the time. He was a baby. He laid down to sleep. We also talked about the rescuer who rests. Uh, not only did he come as a baby, but we found him laying down and sleeping peacefully in a boat that's about ready to go down in the sea. And his disciples woke him up. Don't you care that we're going to drown? And Jesus calmed the sea. He rests. He sleeps. But he's also the shepherd who serves. And so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Maundy Thursday, where Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He took off his outer clothes, put on a towel, got on his knees, and he washed stinky feet. He's also the deliverer who dies. Last Sunday, we talked about that Jesus laid down again, but this time he laid down his life willingly. Nails can't hold a God to a tree. He laid down and willingly sacrificed himself. And that brings us to today, which is the big idea of Jesus did not stay down. He is the Savior who stands so that we may stand. I'll flesh that out in our series today as we go. You can open your Bibles, or if you've got a gadget, you could get there, or there are Bibles underneath the seats in some of the baskets. Follow us today in Luke 24. We'll read the story in 1 through 12, but let's pray first. While you're getting to the scripture, let's pray. I'd ask you to pray this prayer. You don't have to say it out loud, but if you just do this silently in your heart, just say, God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, I pray that you'd be glorified. I pray that everyone hearing this message would be edified, and I pray that Satan would be horrified. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
before I read the context of Luke 24, Matthew 28, 6 makes it very clear. He is not here. He is risen. I read a story about a kid named Billy. Billy's from a a rough town, but in his neighborhood, the church wanted to do a Christmas passion, so they had the whole place set up with the children, and uh, that was his big line. His one line was, he is not here, he is risen, and Billy was nervous, and sure enough, he got on stage, and it was his big moment, and she pointed at him, you know how the little nursery worker, whatever, in charge in the front row, she pointed at him, and he forgot, totally forgot his line. He's supposed to say, he is, he is not here, he is risen, and so, of course, she starts feeding him the line. She's whispering it loud how they do, pretending like you can't hear that. She's saying, he is not here. He is risen. He is not here. He is risen. So Billy finally mustered up everything he could, and he said, he is not here. He is in prison. (laughs) Oh, I love kids. I love, man, they can just really make those Christmas and Easter pageants exciting. But in Luke 24, we find out what, what was talked about on The first day of the week, Luke 24, 1 through 12, follow me along. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hand of sinners. Be crucified. And on the third day, he must be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb and bending over he saw the strips of linen laying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened may God add his blessing to the reading of the scriptures I don't know if you noticed but we're in the series talking about posture did you see all the different postures verse 5 when the women got there they bowed down later in verse 6 the angel said he's risen and then in verse 12 Peter got up, and then he ran, and then he bent over. There's all sorts of different postures people take. But when Jesus rised from the dead, boy, people were running. They were were kneeling. They were looking. They were running. They were doing everything possible. But today you need to know that Jesus stood so that you and I could stand. There's a word there. Just look in in verse 7. The Son of Man must. I never realized this before when I was studying it looking through all the different words that were used this must is not a normal must but it's a holy must the word must there had a connotation it, it was a divine must it was a must from heaven and it's actually used twice in the NIV it only uses it once but the, the scriptures actually say the son of man 
must divinely be delivered over to the hands of sinners, and he must divinely be crucified, and on the third day he must divinely be raised again. It was the plan. It it was not the Romans who killed Jesus. It was not the Jews who killed Jesus. You know, a father was trying to explain to his young son in church about the cross being there and all the things on Easter, and he was saying, you know, we're celebrating the fact that, that Jesus went to the cross and he had to die, and the son said, well, who killed him? He said, well, the people did. And he looked around and he said, these people? And he was actually right. We're here today because it was our sins. Don't blame the Romans. Don't blame the Jews. Blame the world. The Bible says, for all have sinned. Everybody say all. All means all. That's all all means. And it's because of our sin that Jesus died on that cross on Good Friday. I got a couple of quick things. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time, some of you, Uh, might not come to church very often and you might think uh boy this guy only knows one message well you know come come other times we'll 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 fill you in on all the rest of the stuff but on easter morning we preach the risen savior we preach a savior who died for our sins and i got news for you if you come throughout the year we're still going to talk about it it'll still come up we preach that jesus is the risen savior but we're going to give you a couple of quick things today why did jesus stand why did he have to rise again Well, it's essential. Jesus stood to show us he conquered death for all time. Isaiah 25, verse 8. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears from all faces. He will remove the people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 25 and 26 For he must reign until he has put all the enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. You need to know that Jesus stood because he conquered death once for all. So many people that don't understand Christianity think of it as just a bloody religion. And it's focused on this cross. Well, we do put a lot of emphasis on this cross because it is where the greatest demonstration of love ever took place. But it's not where it ended. You see, if Jesus is dead today, if he is still dead, then we have no salvation. I'm not going to spend the rest of my time trying to prove it to you because you believe it or you don't believe it. I could go through all the different evidences and the facts and the things that the Gospels teach us throughout all the Gospels that tells us the story of his resurrection. And there's important key details about the, the whole Roman troop that was there guarding the tomb. And there's so many thoughts that Jesus, maybe his body got stolen. Well, if you read through all the Gospel accounts... You have to just understand that could not have taken place. Some people say Jesus just swooned. He didn't really die. He was just kind of tired. Well, I mean, the Bible makes in great detail to show you that he died on that cross. The Romans really understood crucifixion. He was beaten 39 times because they knew 40 typically killed somebody. But then they put him on the cross, and the final thing is they put that spear into his side. What, what did the Bible say? Blood mixed with water came out. That, that showed they had aspirated. He was gone. The Bible goes in great detail to tell you that he did die. He was buried, and he did rise again. His body wasn't stolen. He didn't just uh, faint. He's a risen Savior. You believe it or you don't believe it. For me, all of that stuff, scientific proof is great. You can look it up yourself. I don't need to preach it to you today. But the thing I love the most 
is the evidence of changed lives. The fact that those 11 disciples went on, when they finally realized that his body wasn't taken, he actually rose from the dead. When those disciples finally caught on to what Jesus had been telling them was true, they went for the rest of their lives and served and told that story. All of them went to their death telling that story. What Charles Colson, who was involved in Watergate scandal, he said about the risen Savior, he said, listen, the fact that those disciples went to their death telling the same story proves that it's true. We had a little incident in Washington, D.C. And Charles Colson, by the way, he went to jail for what happened in Watergate. He said, we couldn't last two weeks without everybody involved telling the truth. When you're facing death, that's the time you give it up. <laughs> Maybe one person would die for a lie, but, but all 11 disciples, they stood up. That, to me, the changed lives, the changed life of Peter. There's so much evidence out there that he did die, but he did rise again. Why did he do it? He conquered death. You need to know today, Jesus stood up. Everybody says, stood up. He stood up. He didn't stay dead. I heard a story this past week about the uh, Chinese president way back a long time ago was given a finger bone of Buddha as a gift. They, they, they found it. I think they found it again in 1989 or something like that. And people travel all across the world to look at Buddha's finger bone. I'm here to tell you that if they found the pinky of Jesus, we're in trouble. See, Buddha is a dead false god. We believe that Jesus, they're not going to find his bones. They're not going to find his pinky because he's risen again. I was in Brazil at the largest basilica in the world, Catholic Church. It's huge. And I remember walking the hallways and seeing all the venerated objects all about. But then I came to this glass tomb and, and the missionary I was with was telling me, you need to understand, Don, uh, people are coming from all over to worship this. And in the glass tomb, they had what they called the bones of Jesus Christ. And people were worshiping those bones. I said to myself, if those are the bones of Jesus, we all need to go home and cry. If you found the bones of Jesus, then we're all in trouble. Because we don't have a dead Savior. We're the only religion that claims that we have a risen Savior. Somebody once changed from the Muslim belief to Christianity and was given a hard time. And, and he said, let me tell you, let me just explain. If you're traveling down a road your whole life and all of a sudden there comes a split in the road and you've got to choose which way to go. And there are two gods there. One of them's dead and one of them's living. I'm asking directions from the one who's living. Jesus is alive, amen? And he conquered death by standing up. Second, oh, there's two quotes I want to give you. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the crowning proof of Christianity. If the resurrection did not take place, then Christianity is a false religion. If it did take place, then Christ is God and the Christian faith is absolute truth. Think about that today. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're on the edge. Maybe you're wondering and you're thinking, I need more proof. I need more evidence. Let me just tell you today. It, either he is or he isn't, and it has eternal consequences. Tony Bazin said, the cradle and the cross are of little value without the resurrection. But the cradle plus the cross plus the resurrection equals salvation. That's why all of it's so important to us. I hope you know him today. Why did Jesus stand? 
But number two, Jesus stood to show us he covered sin for all who believe. And I know when I use that word covered, some people would be like, well, technically, theologically, I understand the theological, but I had to have another C. So I used covered. Is our sin covered? Let me tell you, no, our sin's actually not covered over. You need to know that today. I don't mean covered over like in covered up. No, it's not like that. When Jesus died on the cross, he became sin for us and he died. He took our sins from us. The Bible says he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. He puts it in the deepest of seas and then he puts up a sign, no fishing here. Our sins are gone. So when I use the word covered, I mean like covered like when the check comes. Have you ever had the check come to the table? I love it when the check comes to the table and my father-in-law always gets it first. We, we, you know, uh, for years and years and years, I was a missionary, I was a pastor, I was broken. For years and years and years, my father-in-law, man, he would always cover the bill. And when I say covered, I mean it takes it away. So I'm using covered as a term like it's been covered, it's taken care of. Now, I want to let you know, I try hard now. I try. We do that whole fake, you know, short arm thing now. Like, I'll get it, Joe. I'll get it. Oh, you got it? Okay. Oh, man, I tried. Lately, he's getting upset with me because I am actually. I've been covering the bill. I, I, I say, when I invite you down, when you come visit us, I'm paying for it. I have to tell him ahead of time. And then, you know what he's been doing? He gets up and he runs to the bathroom at some point and he comes back. And then when, they, when we're done with the meal, uh, you know, I'm waiting for the bill to come. And guess what? When he went to the bathroom, he found the waitress and he paid for it. So I wouldn't do it. He's tricky like that. But it is wonderful when it's covered. Everybody say it's covered. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus covers it for us. Romans 4, 7 through 8. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. There you go. I can use the word covered because the Bible does. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Aren't you thankful we got a God who sent his son, who lived the sinless life so he could go to our cross And take our sins for us. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. And on the cross, your sins, they've been covered. He picked up the check. He paid it on his account for us. I heard about a father and a young boy driving in the pickup truck in the springtime. And they're driving down the country road and in flies the bee. And now the son freaked out. He's deathly allergic to bees. And so the son is screaming and crying. And you know what the father did? He's driving. So all he could do is he reached out and he grabbed the bee and he squeezed it in his hand and he let it go. And when he let it go, the bee flew again. And the boy started screaming again. And the father said, no, 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 take a look. Take a look. The stinger was in his hand. He said, you have nothing to fear. I took the sting for you. Friend, today you can know that the sting of death is conquered. He conquered it. He conquers death, but he also covers our sin from what he did on that cross. And the proof is what he did in the empty tomb. By the way, the empty tomb didn't need to be opened. Can you imagine? Some people think that the angels had to come and roll it away to get Jesus out. He didn't need the tomb to be opened at all. He, he left his garments there. He just rose out of them. He could have just flew out. The tomb was open so that we would know. The tomb was open so that when the ladies got there, they would see that it was empty. So that when the disciples got there, they could see the proof. I've been to there in Jerusalem. I've been to the place they call Gagatha. And I tell everybody, I've been all over the world. I've traveled to many lands. But the th- best thing I've ever seen as a tourist is nothing. The best thing I ever saw was when I walked into the tomb and there was nothing there. 
That was awesome. Jesus conquered death. Jesus covered sin. And lastly, why did Jesus stand? Jesus stood to show us he made us capable to stand. Capable to stand. Matthew 7, he tells a story about the wise man builds his house upon a rock and the foolish man builds his house upon the sand. I love that story because it tells us that we can stand firm. We can stand because Jesus is the cornerstone. Do you believe that today? That that scripture tells us when the wind comes, when life comes, when the worst happens, we can stand because we stand on the cornerstone, the solid rock. He is not only the cornerstone, he's the resilient rock that resists the storm. And he is the rock that will not move so we can stand I want to talk that out a little bit this morning before we're done. I was actually thinking about Shrek this week. Who couldn't think about our friend Terry Nallian? Dr. Terry Nallian died a year ago this weekend. What a man. Started the Stand Strength team, Stand Ministries. I started looking online thinking, well, Stan, why did he pick Stand? Why did he pick that? I'm, I'm writing this message, so I'm like thinking about Shrek, and I'm thinking about Stand, and I started looking up. I'm like, he had to have a key verse. He had to have something. I asked Lindsay, and Lindsay thought about it. She went home, talked to her mom. They, they said, you know, Shrek was so scattered, he, 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 he really never had one verse. You know Shrek, he had a different verse every week, and, and he would use that different verse, but he had a song. And I thought about playing it for you today, but it was so Shrek. It was our electric guitar, stand, and that's kind of what he used. She said he wanted to call it standalone ministries, but the guys that were with him, they're all a bunch of big oxes, you know, they're like, no, you can't call it standalone, we're here with you. So he called it stand strength team. Part of it comes from the passage in Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, 13 through 14. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Everybody say stand. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Stand. Jesus stood so that we can stand. Theologians, hold on to yourselves here for a little bit and don't leave me. I'm going somewhere, but I want to talk about standing and what that means. I looked through Scripture. Scripture's full of the term, get up. Everybody say, get up. All throughout Scripture, this is there. Jesus said it in many different varieties, but I looked back in the Old Testament. Joshua 7, 10, the Lord said to Joshua, get up. What are you doing down on your face? In Isaiah 52, 2, it says, shake off your dust, get up. Sit enthroned, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains around your neck, daughter Zion, now a captive. The Bible is full of this term, arise, stand, get up. It's, it's in Hebrew, Q-U-M, kum. And it's almost the same word in, in the Greek, in the New Testament. And Jesus did it all the time. In Luke 5, he came across a paralytic man. Which is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. Kloom, get up. There was a man with a withered hand. 
on, on the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue and he was teaching. A man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand. I love both of those are there. Kum, kum. In front of everyone. So he got up and he stood there. And then said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was completely restored. Oh, that's not it. Jesus told a lot of people to get on up. He told in Luke 7, as he approached the town gate, a dead man, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and he touched the beer, the casket. And they were carrying him on. And the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Jesus ruined funerals. He just ruined them. They're on their way to a tomb. And Jesus just says, come, get on up. Luke 9, Jesus comes across a young boy who was had a demon. Even while the boy was, was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy. Get up! And gave him back to his father. The lepers were cleansed in Luke 17. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God with a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go. Your faith has made you well. Get up. I want you to hear this message today, and you've got to listen to the whole rest of the end so you don't get it wrong. And no theologians, don't get up and leave while I do this first three things. You're going to think I'm all wrong, but I'm getting there. I'm making a point today. Jesus says, get up. Get up. God is with me so I can stand physically. Three weeks ago, I didn't think this was going to be possible. Uh, If you haven't heard, I've got a terrible back situation. I've got three major issues. One of them's a missing bone. Don't ask me how that happened. We had MRIs and x-rays and CT scan, and the doctor was explaining to me why he wanted to do surgery. And he's like, you got a bunch of major issues. And he, you know, he talked about the arthritis, all the missing gel. He talked about the, the bone spur. And then he said, you got a missing bone. And my wife and I both said, wait, a what? Who took it? He says, well, some people just are born without some bones, and you're just missing one that needs to be there. And he wants to put in rods and screws. And man, I thought, I thought man, I'm in big trouble. I was in so much pain. I got a shot in my spine. They they put that good old stuff right in that spot. And you know what? I have no pain today. The problem's still there, right? The doctor warned me. He said, I'm going to give you a shot. In the industry, we call it the stupid shot because I give it to people and they get stupid. He said, don't you go and be stupid. You're still injured. You just can't feel it. But I'm thankful today I'm standing. I'm thankful today because, man, it it was hard. Those of you who have had pain, you understand pain. It's awful. I stood for 18 hours, 18 straight hours leaning on the kitchen counter like this. 
The bottom of my feet hurt so bad. There was no other position I could be in. I couldn't lay down. I couldn't sit down. I couldn't kneel down. There was no position. I just leaned over the counter to take the weight off of my spine, and I cried. I cried. My family went to bed at about 11, and I didn't see them again until about 7 a.m., and that was the longest, darkest, loneliest night. My wife came out and saw me standing where she had left me, and she said, oh, no. Oh, no. You need to know that God is with us so that we can stand physically. Maybe you've been knocked down. Maybe some of you have heard those terrible words when you go to see the results. God is with you. You can stand physically. God is with me so I can stand emotionally. I tell you the truth today. Those are with anxiety, and that's a real issue. Our world is just plagued with anxiety today. I'm here to tell you that God is with us. That's why he sent Jesus. He's not a God from afar. He sent Jesus to be here. So he's now God with us. So you can stand. Don't stay down. Get up physically. Don't stay down. Get up emotionally. And I'm not telling you that you don't go through all this, the grief Those of you who've suffered loss, I'm not telling you to deny it. I'm not telling you to fake it. I'm not telling you to lie. I'm just telling you, you can stand because you're not alone. Get up. God is with me so that I can get up. God is with me so I can stand relationally. Maybe things have gone awry in in your family or with your marriage or, or at work. And you might have relationships that are shattered and broken. Well, you need to know that God doesn't want you to stay in that. He wants you to stand. Get off the ground. I love what he told Joshua. What are you doing down there with your face in the dirt? Get on up. Well, believer, you need to know today because Jesus is a risen Savior. He stood so that we can stand. Now, I tell you all of that because that's probably the message going to be preached in probably 75% of the world today. And that's not the message of Easter. It is truth. And that's why I put on here, God is with me so I can. God is with me so I can. But this is not the reason. Everything you see on the screen is not the reason why Jesus died and he rose again. These are just the extra bonuses. There's good bonuses, amen? Oh, there's good bonuses. As a believer, I do believe physically I can stand even during pain. And emotionally, I don't have to wallow in my pity. I can get up eventually. I can stand relationally even though relationships are crumbled. All those things are extra bonuses. And that's what's probably being preached in most churches today. It's a health and wealth gospel. It's a gospel that says Jesus is the risen Savior so you can have your best life now. Let me tell you what. Life is hard. The problem with the prosperity gospel that only preaches only good things happen to those who, who believe. Only good thing, the only problem with the, the health and wealth gospel is it's not always true. Life will knock you down. Yes, as a believer, you can stand. You can take your stand even when you've been locked down low. It's true. But that's not why Jesus died on a cross and rose again so that we can have happy, happy days here. It's a bonus. 
That's what I try to tell the young couples that want to get married. I make them sit down with me and we go through premarital counseling. And I tell them, one of the first things we talk about is learning how to fight fair. Because I tell them, whether you believe it or not, you're going to drive each other nuts. And you're going to learn how to, how to, you're going to have to learn how to communicate, guys. You're going to have to learn how to talk about things. You're going to have to learn about forgiveness. You're going to have to learn to get over people's annoying habits. But let me tell you, there is some good news. After I scare them half to death, they're sitting there wondering, why am I even doing this? Then I tell them, I've been married for 30 years now. And there's some really good stuff. I said to them, my wife and I laugh now more than we ever have. We're celebrating our uh, 25th anniversary five years ago. Uh, it's our 30th now. But we, we didn't go anywhere on our 25th. Uh, but we're going. Uh, four weeks from now, we're getting on a plane. We're going to Hawaii. We're going to celebrate. We're going to do good. My wife needed that boost. After the shooting in Oxford, she was there in that building that day. I knew right then and there, my wife needed something happy to look forward to. And so I gave her as a Christmas gift this trip to Hawaii that we didn't take five years ago. So on our 30th anniversary, we, we were married on May 23rd. We'll be in Hawaii on our anniversary. We're so looking forward to that. But I tell these young couples in love, you need to learn how to fight. You need to learn how to communicate because it's going to be hard. But let me promise you this, it gets sweet. Julie and I laugh at each other more than we ever did before. When we annoy each other, we laugh about it together now. We enjoy each other more than we ever did. Boy, you young little lovebirds, you going on your honeymoon, enjoy that. That's good. But let me tell you, it gets even better when you survive. It gets better. That's the extra bonuses now that we learn to laugh we enjoy each other. These things are true, but I need to hear you. This morning, I can't send you out until you hear the very truth of the truth of the truth. But know this. <laughs> Jesus died then stood up so that, everybody say so that, so that I can stand spiritually before God on the judgment day. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he rose again. All the other stuff is a health and wealth gospel that you need to know. You get as a bonus. You get as the fact that you're in a relationship with a God who loves you, but it's not why he died. He didn't die and rise again to give you your best life now. He died and rose again so that you can know you have a future. So if physically you're knocked down right now, you're not failing. Emotionally, if you've been hit and you're hurt, you're not failing. Relationally, if things have destroyed all around you, it's not that you failed and didn't have enough faith. Oh, God, help us in the church that we stop preaching these false truths. Jesus died and he rose again so that you can stand spiritually on that day. The Bible says there's coming a day when we're going to stand before a holy God. <laughs> the reason why Jesus stood up is because each and every one of us on our own will stand before a holy God, and you're either going to stand or you're going to cave <laughs> because he's going to want to know who's paying for the sin. And so when God asked Don Jackson on the final judgment day, Don, who's paying for the sin? I can stand. I don't have to fall down and fear that could be a scary moment when it's all on the line and and the judge is going to make a determination it can be a scary moment but i can stand there have you ever had to stand before a judge i have i've shared the story before so don't worry i'm not 
sharing any secrets. The people of Oakwood that come hear the story all the time. It's my favorite story, actually. It's a story of when I had to go to court because I was in a car accident. It was my fault. It was a snowy, wintry day, and I was driving, and I got on one of the side streets that had big trees. All the other streets were, had been cleared with salt, and with a little sunshine and salt, it'll dry up. But not this road. It was slickery. It was still kind of covered, and I didn't pay attention, and I come up to a stop sign, hit my brakes, and my truck, just, I was driving a big a Ford F-150 with big old tires on it, and I hit my brakes, and the car just kept going. I'm like, oh, no. And then I saw her. A teenage girl was coming. School had just gotten out, and she'd gotten a brand-new red sports car, and she's coming to the same intersection. You know how everything goes in slow motion? I'm hitting my brakes, and my truck's just going. I think it's sped up even. And I saw her coming, and I looked at her. I'm like, no. And she looked at me, and she went, ah. And sure enough, man, we met, and my truck hit the front of her car. It didn't just hit it. It just jumped up on top of it. And it, and it bounced away because of the ice, but then it came again and scraped down the whole side. I totaled it. I totaled her car. I finally came to a stop on the side of the road, and I got out, and I looked at my front bumper, and it was bent. I actually just pulled it twice, and it was fine. I turned around her car. My truck had eaten it. And she's still in the front seat crying. And I walked up there, and I'm like, oh. And then I realized I knew her. She came to my church. Oops. And she's crying. She's like, I just got this car. My dad's going to kill me. And I'm like, honey, get your phone. Call your dad. Let me tell him. I did this. It's my fault. You did nothing wrong. I got the dad on the phone. She handed it. She called it from her phone. So see, he picked, and when I picked up the phone and listened to it, he says, hey, sweetie. I'm like, no, it's not sweetie. It's PD. He's like, PD, what are you doing? He said, I, I, I just ran into your daughter. He goes, oh, yeah, where? I know I ran into your daughter. I said, man, I smashed that car. It's total. I'm sorry. We had the same insurance agent, and so the tow truck came, and everything was fine. They're cleaning up everything. Her car was gone, and then I, I noticed Matt was there. Matt was the liaison officer at the school, and since he was the closest, he came to the scene. And I, I hear him. It's just my truck and his cop car. I hear him pacing back and forth, talking to himself, saying, I can't believe i got to do this. This is not going to go over well. And I'm like, Matt, what's wrong? He goes, PD, i got to give you a ticket. I'm like, I know. He's like, I don't want to give you a ticket. Hey, I, I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell them and they're going to say, you gave PD a ticket? I, I, I was well known there at the school. I was there almost every day at that high school. I taught uh, their sex ed program and I, I did a lot of things in the staff. I had a key. They gave me a key to the school. I was well known there and that liaison officer knew me well. He said, when I go back to the office and I put down this ticket and they say that I gave Pastor Don a ticket, they're going to tease me. I said, Matt, you got to do it. You got to write me the ticket. I'm encouraging the officer to write me up. He writes it up, and he's like, this isn't fair. He said, it's not your fault. This road was slickery. And he he says, you know, you got to fight this ticket. You got to fight it. And he finally hands it to me. And I'm like, it's okay, Matt. You know, I wanted to pray over him, you know. (laughs) Well, I thought about it when I saw it, and it said you can either call or write in. And and so I wrote a letter with the ticket, and I said, well, you know, it was slickery. And I got a letter back saying your court date is, and it gave me a court date. I'm like, I don't want to go to court. But I found myself there. I went to the courtroom, and you walk in, there's a little waiting room with little plastic chairs. Nobody was sitting there, but I walked in, and I sat down. And the door was open to the actual courtroom, and I could hear a lady screaming, saying, It's not my fault! The road was slickery! And I realized in listening, she was on the same road the same day and had an accident. 
And she's telling the judge, it's not my fault. He goes, ma'am, were you behind the wheel? Yes, but it's not my fault because the sun doesn't shine through the trees and it's all didn't. And, and he's like, ma'am, if you were sitting in the seat, you're in charge of the car. And what it did is your fault. I'm not paying for this ticket. You can forget it. I'm telling you, ma'am, you got a $100 fine. And if you don't be quiet, I'm sending you to jail. I'm not going to jail. I'm not paying the ticket. And she uh, runs out the room. I'm sitting in there going, I don't want to be in court. What am I doing here? And then he follows her out and sees that she'd left. And he looks at me and he goes, Don Jackson? I said, yeah. He goes, get in here. And I walked in. And I stood before the judge. I hated it because I knew I was guilty. I knew I was wrong. I knew I was in trouble. He's worked up. What am I going to say? I was on the same road that lady was, but she's guilty and I'm fine. No, I'm in trouble. I'm standing there before the judge, and he's looking down, he's mumbling, and he writes something on the ticket, and then he looks at me, and he leans over his desk, and I could see in red marker, he wrote, dismissed. He goes, Don, your case is dismissed. I took the ticket, I'm saying, what, what? What do you mean? He goes, well, uh, some officer, Matt, called. He's supposed to be here today, and he said he wasn't coming. And since there's no officer here, and there's nobody else here, there's nobody here that can give an account of what happened that day, so in my mind, it never happened. You can go now. I took my ticket, and I started to walk out, and then it just hit me. And I stopped and turned around. I said, sir, I know it's probably been a long day for you, but what you said was just wrong because there is somebody here who saw what happened. I was there, and I ran through a stop sign, and I hit this little girl, and I crashed her car. I'm guilty of this offense. And he looked at me, and he said, Don, you're not very good at this. I've already dismissed your case. Now go home. He, he, was tired. he was done. Man, I took that ticket and, you know, you would think that I would have skipped all the way home. But man, I remember just walking to my car and it just couldn't settle with me. <laughs> I knew I was guilty, but I'd been set free. This morning, that's the story of Easter. Not that you can be healthy, happy, and all these funny things here. We're told in the scripture that this day and age, this time we live in, we're guests here. We're aliens and strangers. And not to make our home here. Don't make this your best life now. Oh, God is with you and he'll help you. He'll go through all these hard times with you. Yes, but God never promises us just roses. And, and why would he want this to be heaven when he's created one for us? It's coming. It's not now. So he is with us. But he died for us to save us. So our lessons, our lessons from the Savior who stands, death is conquered, amen? Sin is covered, amen? Everyone is called before the holy God. If I can find it, 2 Corinthians 5.10. Looking all over the place on all my sheets of paper here. Here it is. Nope, there it is. 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we all must appear, stand, before the judgment seat of Christ, so that with each of us may receive what is due for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Stand. Everyone is called before the holy God. Fourth, everyone is compelled to believe. Revelation 3.20, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I come and eat with him and they with me. Oh, our Savior is standing. And he's standing because he left that tomb, but he's standing at the door of your heart, and he's compelling you to open the door. 
If you're here today and you've never received salvation, that's what's offered to you today. Everyone is compelled to believe. And fifth and last, my sin is converted to his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I got so many sheets of paper here. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. That's the best news I have for you for Easter is Christ stood so on that day you can stand before a judge. And when God looks at me and he said, who's paying for your sin? I'm going to point to Jesus who's standing at his right hand. And I'm going to say, God, I ask Jesus to forgive my sin and to come into my life as my Savior and Lord. And you know what I'm going to say next. At that moment, God is going to stop looking at the guilty party. And he's going to look at Jesus, his perfect son. And while looking at Jesus, he's going to say, Don Jackson, you're perfect. Because Jesus and I exchanged my sin for his righteousness. He converted it. That's an amazing, an amazing gift i pray that that's happened in your life and if that's never happened in your life make sure it happens today have you asked him to forgive you of your sin and come into your life as savior and lord this is why he came this is why he died this is why he rose again he stood so that you can stand spiritually are you able to stand spiritually before god i ask the band and the band could come now and close us out with the last song but i had asked philip uh, i met with him last week and i said it's easter man we got to do easter songs you got to do some songs and i shared with him that song they sang he lives and because he lives and i just want to remind you of the words of that i serve a risen savior he's in the world today i know that he is living whatever man may say i see his hand of mercy I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives He lives within my heart. He stood so that you can stand. Father, I pray today you'd take the message to the heart of these people. And if there's somebody here that has never received this wonderful gift of salvation, may they understand it today. His righteousness for my sinfulness. God, I pray that even now someone would be praying and asking you, God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin and come into my life as my Savior and Lord. And I pray that beautiful exchange would take place. You are our living hope. You're not a dead Savior. You're not a martyred Savior. You're a living hope. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.